Hi there, I'm Lori Hellman, a mom to an incredible young adult son on the autism spectrum. My goal when creating the Living the Sky Life podcast three years ago was that the content of each episode bring hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways to each listener. The special needs parenting village is large, so you should never feel like you have to travel this journey alone. If you haven't already, please connect with me through my website, Facebook page, or Instagram account. And let's keep the conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes, please leave a rating and written review and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in and subscribing to season three of Living the Sky Life. My guest today has a lot of experience writing about tips and tricks with raising a child on the spectrum. So today we're going to be talking about some of those things. So my guest today is J.C. Ellinger. She brings life stories and experience as an autism mom to publications such as Autism Parenting Magazine and Exceptional Needs Today. She was also recently awarded Top General Advice Writer of 2020, honored by Autism Parenting Magazine. While currently working on her first children's book, geared at bringing relatability and support to other ASD children, just like her amazing son, she has returned to school attending Northwestern State University, pursuing a Master's of Arts in English with the goal of teaching young minds in a discipline she loves. JC additionally carries a master's degree in business administration and BA in communication studies. So welcome, JC. So welcome back to Living the Sky Life. I have an incredible guest today, Juliet JC Ellinger um, with me today. So welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, um, you do such beautiful writing, so I can't wait to get into all of that. But um, as with most guests, I just kind of want to get back to the beginning and how autism entered your vocabulary and your world and tell us all about your son, Tristan. Yes. So one of the earliest markers thinking back was, you know, he definitely kind of showcased or he showed characteristics of stemming early on. Um, At that time, I did not know what that was. I just thought he was excited to watch football. He would be right up in front of the screen, jumping up and down, flapping his arms. Um, It wasn't until later on that Tristan demonstrated very intense social anxiety. Mm -hmm. So when I would go to the store, um, he would just panic, which caused me to panic. And my two youngest, who they are only 15 months apart. So (laughs) you can only imagine I had one in a baby carrier trying to get one into whether it was a stroller or the grocery cart. And it was just, I would be sweating and panicking because I would, I would think, please, no one say hi to him. Do not say hi. And this included familiar faces, faces that he had seen before. Um, And so around two and a half, it just became extreme. Um, And honestly, from a personal standpoint, I believe that's, it caused me extreme anxiety Mm -hmm. just to go out. I didn't want to go do simple errands. Um, What would happen if someone did say hi to him? He would scream and he would say, scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. He would repeat it over and over again. Um, and, and so I, and I didn't know what to, you know, I would just try to kind of take him away from 
whatever social, whether it's just a corner of the store or somewhere to kind of let him find some calmness. Um, and I talked to him in a calm voice and I would just let him breathe through it. And when he mm -hmm. was ready, he would tell me and then we would, you know, continue our errand. Um, and the challenge as a mom um, with my son for our personal circumstances is that he hit majority of his milestones. So there was never a red flag, like, you know, something that kind of blared out that something was going on. Mm -hmm. um, no regression. Right. And yeah. so they were like, well, you know, he passed, you know, this and everything seems to be going. I said, there's not, something's going on. This is not normal. Um, we need to see another specialist. And so I pressed with a pediatrician. And from that point, she referred us to a neurologist, uh, which was at the UC Davis Mind Center. And from that point, then that's when they recommend us to the regional center that was in our local area. And then that's kind of when everything um, unraveled. Yeah. Um, so at that time, when we realized there was something else going on, um, you know, I was working full time and my husband and I decided, you know, maybe it was best that I kind of step back and full time mother it out with my two youngest ones at that time. And so once all this started, there were simultaneous testing, both from a medical standpoint. And then the other end, I engaged with our local school district and began testing from an education um, sector. So, you know, he, we have testing going on on this side and side. Mm -hmm. And so everything was going on. And, you know, as a parent, when you are, placed in a situation of a knowing blindness. Um, I just remember feeling so overwhelmed. Obviously I didn't know anyone. I'm asking questions and you're thinking, what's gonna happen? You know, what is this gonna lead to? Um, and all you have is questions and no answers, mm -hmm. right? So, and so, but basically, you know, once he did get tested and he, at that time, it was maybe a year prior before they they reset. I mean, what was um? It went to a uh, the PDD NOS. Yeah, like that. right. But there was the fourth edition, right, and then it switched over to a fifth edition for diagnostic. Gotcha. And so yes, um, he was originally diagnosed with PDD NOS, pervasive developmental disorder, not otherwise specified. Right. Which anyone who's familiar is like so annoying. Like what is that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So um, and I just remember that day very vividly, where he was, my poor guy. You know, at that time he was just about to turn three, and any toddler that you're trying to confine into a space with a stranger on top of his social anxiety. And I just remember, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, what, what yeah. are we doing? Well, and it's um, hard because you, you know, you fight for the diagnosis. And, and I guess in my mind, I kept thinking, well, that I didn't know that autism was a thing way back then, but mm -hmm. it needed some sort of diagnosis. So then I could fix it. Then I could yeah. go and research and then I could go, okay, well then what therapy do we need to do? And 
you know, anything else, you just give a medication, you, you know, start a yeah. therapy, do whatever, and it's fine. We'll catch them up and all of that. And so, you know, it's gotta be for most parents listening. I'm sure when you leave with a diagnosis, you're like, oh, okay, now what? That doesn't change anything. Like, I don't even know where to start yes. who to call or what I begin to do to help him. Yes. There was definitely a mixed bag of emotions mm-hmm. and leaving the office that day from the clinical psychologist for me. And I know this moment is very personal to every parent. Um, for me, there definitely was this side of relief. There is, you know, we have a name to it. There is at least um, some understanding where I can begin research. Um, and then of course you have the other end. Okay. Now, you know, what's next? You mm-hmm. know, what's, what do we, what do we need to plan from this point on? Um, it's hard not to project way out too, to think, oh gosh, so is he never going to go to college? It's like, he's yes. five. <laughs> yes. Yes. Is he going to have friends? You yeah, know, that's crazy, he, you know, but we all do it. Yes. <laughs> so. Yes. 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 But that was, that was pretty much the beginning of everything. And so that was, you know, he is 11 now. He's about to turn 12 in a couple weeks. And you look back and go, wow, you know, and it was the beginning to a lot of kind of curvy roads and still uphills. Um, we've been in and out of IEPs. Um, and I know we'll go into that a little bit later, but um, but through this in the beginning, gosh, there is so much I learned. Um, and from that, because I learned so much and I would run into parents um, such as, I took my kiddos to a, it was a coding summer camp with Apple and end up running into a mom whose son was also on the spectrum. And when you reach out and you're able to kind of just link in on similar levels and share experiences and feel like you have someone else in your corner that understands is so refreshing. Um, And I think when I did come across a couple other parents who had children on the spectrum, that's when I said, you know, this is so therapeutic for me to speak with others. Um, I need to write about this because this is what helps me process. Mm -hmm. It helps me understand that because my son is on this journey, I am 100% a part of it as well. And I need to disseminate this information with others. If I can help share, let others know that they're not alone because that's how I felt. And I don't want others to feel that way either. Yeah. Um, And from that point, I began writing for Autism Parenting Magazine. I've always had a love for writing. Mm -hmm. And I found just a soft spot in my heart you know I've always loved writing and I realized this this is something that's positive for me mm-hmm. and that's when I began writing uh both of the publications that I write for now yeah isn't it funny I I kind of have at, at this stage in my life um you know I still work full-time but in writing um also for publications and my book and things like that it's I never, if you would have asked me even 10 years ago, would yeah. you be writing about autism or whatever? I would have said absolutely not. Cause for a long time, I just kept that part of my life, I guess, 
to myself. I mean, not that I didn't branch out and talk to other parents and find other people that I could relate to, but I just, I didn't want to always be known as an autism mom because I have mm. other, an other child too. And I like, that's not my identity as Skylar's mom or autism mom or all of that. But then, you know, it just dawned on me, like, that's what I know. I have 18 mm. years experience. Like, this is what I know. So it just, that writing comes so easy yes. to me. And I don't know why yes. I fought it for so long. <laughs> I mean, do you find that like, it's just, it's so much easier to write about that. And almost like that career found you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, now oh, that's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> so. when, and I think it goes with anything, um, whether you are a foodie or you, you know, have a special connection because of, you know, a loved one, when you write from the heart, it comes out effortlessly. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I could interview or speak with individuals who could also help with me as a parent with my son, whether it was picky eating or traveling, and I go, oh, that's a great, you know, I know that's useful information that could help me on a daily basis why should I keep that to myself? That needs mm-hmm. to be shared. Um, and so being able to hear just um, supportive information from other specialists in the area that you know work with individuals, it just gives a lot of insight. And I think that it's important to share that information with our community, with the autism community. Well, I think articles like yours too, um, about picky eating and travel tips and some of the other ones that you've written about, um, you know, I always, I guess, assumed that the the best reader of that is other autism parents. And while it is, I think that information is so crucial for dietitians and Uh, other people mm -hmm. to read from a parent's perspective Mm -hmm. on, you know, textbooks can tell you all kinds of things like we should be doing this and we should be doing that. But when you throw autism into it and all of the, you know, just everything goes out the window as far as yeah. what should happen. So if, if more parents like you write about your experiences with those specific things, it helps evolve the entire industry on dietetics, like I said, and feeding and traveling, and maybe pe- people that work for airlines will see Very true. some of our struggles and say, you know, we can I do hope. better. I, hope, you know? I do. I really, especially in today's world, mm-hmm. I hope that others do read that information articles, you know, and go, oh, you know, and mm-hmm. take it in open-mindedly and go, how can this impact me? How can I take this information and how can I do a better job in my role yeah. to widen the love, the kindness for everyone? Hopefully people are sharing it. Like, Hey, I know a friend that works, you yeah. know, at a food feeding clinic or whatever. I'm going to send this article to them. Yeah. I always wonder that. Like, where does it go? Like yeah. I always envision just kind of eyes reading through it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I hope that that others do take it in and go, Oh, yeah. Interesting. I like this. I don't know. <laughs> so in talking about picky eating, so I'm guessing Tristan was, was, or still is a picky eater. Is he challenged when he, it comes to foods? He is, but oh man, he has, he has leapt over bounds, um, from when he first started. Uh, That's awesome. So he was basically a vegan for nine years. He just started eating 
meat, wholesome meat, um, two, three years ago. And when I say vegan, I do mean because he did not eat eggs. Um, he is lactose intolerant. He did not drink milk. So he literally was on a vegan diet. He still doesn't eat eggs. But then I support, I was fine. He was going to follow the vegan path of, of his diet. Um, but he was a growing boy. And there's only so much substance that could keep his appetite suppressed yeah. um, on you know, the beige diet, basically it was the beige mm -hmm. diet, you know, so, you know, they love the French fries and the chicken nuggets. And, but what I try to capitalize on was because smoothies had a texture that pretty much did not change. I would make green smoothies and I would put spinach, kale, whatever I can slip in. He would never know. And he would drink it up. So that's where I snuck in all the vitamins and the nutrients was giving him regular protein, um, vitamin rich smoothies. Um, and he still drinks them to this day, but to help him grow in his palate. And as we know, it's just the textures. Mm -hmm. um, so he was fine with anything that had a crunch to it. So I tried to take foods that had that similar texture. Um, but for him, it was just the unknown. So it would mean that he would be exposed to something we were already eating, even though he did not eat it yet, but I would put it on a separate plate and put it in front of them. And I said, you can just look at it. You can touch it. You can smell it, whatever you want to do. It's just going to stay there for the entire time of the dinner, which seems like it would be in easy goal to accomplish, but sometimes it would just cause, you know, panic on his end. Um, as you know, they would like their food, you know, everything has to always be divided. Mm -hmm. They cannot touch and so forth. So it was those many, many stepping stones that eventually when he would get used to seeing something, his curiosity would grow. And I think what also helped with the exposure was I would I always introduce a food that we, the rest of the family was already eating. Mm -hmm. So I, my philosophy was I'm not going to make a whole entire dish just because you're not going to eat everything that we are. So if it was a three, four um, meal dish, um, so you have your entree and you have your three sides, there had to be one item that I was already cooking for the entire family that I would expose them to. Mm -hmm. So not only was that dish in front of them, but we were already eating it as well. So that sensory stimulation that, okay, well, I know I'm not eating it. It's in front of me. Oh, they're eating it. So over time, oh, you know, maybe it is good. Everyone else is eating it and they're not getting sick. So maybe eventually after weeks or months, he would eventually try it. Um, so that gradual exposure is what then finally led to him eating a pork chop, which was a huge deal. Um, and then it was steak. Um, and now in the last two months, he ate his first burger, hamburger, but it has to be in and out. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be an in and out <laughs> burger. Got he will not <laughs> eat any other burger. Uh, and so, yeah, that's it was just the, the regular exposure and finding items 
foods that were similar already in texture to ones that he was comfortable with. Mm -hmm. um, one of his favorites are garbanzo beans. Um, I would roast them, little olive oil, salt and pepper, loved them. And I made it so often that the rest of the family now eats them. So, so it's, it's a two way, you know, mm -hmm. we're learning, we're growing, we're exposing our palate together. So how did, um, like those early times when you would put the plate in front of him and he would just have to, you know, look at it or whatever, while you were all eating. And, um, if he had a meltdown or if he was, you know, upset during that period, how did that affect your other boys? Um, and how, you know, just, yeah. So my oldest, they're seven years apart. Um, so that was an issue, but between, uh, Tristan and then my youngest, daughter so they're oh, sorry daughter. months apart um she she wasn't phased by it it wouldn't bother her um there was some it was interesting she's always had uh this this level of maturity um and she would just she just kind of brush it off she mm -hmm. wouldn't make a big deal of it that's um, just Tristan right <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she's, she's the one now I'm working on. She's the one for some reason. Now it's kind of countered and she's my picky eater. So <laughs> I'm trying to do the exposure with her now. Maybe Tristan can she's, tell her. She's neurotypical. You need to eat. <laughs> like you need to eat this stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he can be your help. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, that's good. I mean, you know, I've, uh, Skylar, he's not that picky. I haven't really had a deal with the picky eating with him, but mm -hmm. so many of the parents that I've talked to have said they learned kind of by trial and error that they at first thought they needed to force their kid. Like you need to yeah. eat this, you need to eat yeah. something. I mean, cause we yeah. just, that's how we're all conditioned to parent, I think. Yeah. Yes. And yes. you just don't think any differently for your child right. on the spectrum. It's like, you know, you got to eat something. And then it just makes it a, a much worse situation when yes. you're trying to Yes, there's no force needed. You know, mm. they will let you know, but all it is is just soft exposure that there are choices, giving them choices. Um, it could be giving them two choices in front of them with foods that are similar in texture, you know, versus one. Mm -hmm. um, and say, hey, pick one, just pick one and touch it. You know, that way they have a choice and you give them that choice and they don't feel like there's so much pressure. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like it was successful. I mean, he's 11. It's not like he's 30. <laughs> and, and he's, he's growing. I, I could say that. He is growing. Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, goodness. Will you also talk a little bit about, um, in an article that you wrote about IEPs? Again, that's mm. not an area I have much um, intellect on because uh -huh. Skylar stopped going to um, traditional school at seven. Yeah. Um, it just wasn't the right place for us. And while we do goal meetings and things like that, it's not as strict as a traditional IEP. So yeah. um, is there some things that parents absolutely must do and consider when they're going into those meetings? IEPs are so tough. Even mm -hmm. some, I feel like even the word when I say or hear IEP, it makes me anxious. Yeah. <laughs> and so if they're are parents out there that have that similar reaction to those three letters, I am with you. Um, when we enter those meetings and you have all these individuals surrounding the table, it's so intimidating. Um, and so one point I do wanna bring is asking for the agenda prior to the meeting. And 
I don't know what the percentage is for those schools that do not um, offer it, but there was a situation after one of my IEP, IEP meetings and then the coordinator said, oh, you know, for next time, I'll send you the agenda ahead of time. So this is something that is easily requestable. Just ask. So you know, and you might go, you know what, I don't need to, we're just going to review or go over um, updates. But sometimes having that assumption is what gives anxiety. So when you have something concrete on paper, it just gives you that, you know, you have something in writing and you know what to expect going in. So if you do have any questions or maybe there's something on the agenda that you're unclear about, you can prepare that question ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, preparation is key with any IEP meeting. Um, the second is take advantage of the option to bring someone a valuable support. And I say the word valuable loosely because it could just be someone who you want there as emotional support. You know, um, I've gone into meetings, many of them by myself, if my husband was traveling. And just going into a meeting when you have seven or eight or how many number of individuals around the table and you feel like it's just you against uh-huh. the rest of the- Like a firing squad. You know, yeah. Kind of. So mm-hmm. just bring, yeah, bring someone. So you just have someone by your side. Um, but as far as support from a professional standpoint, you know, feel free to ask a representative if you're in California and you have someone from the regional center or someone, um, speech therapist, a therapist, someone who knows your child, um, especially if you will be discussing something in the meeting that is directly relevant to their expertise that can provide or back up, um, give you additional support for maybe you're requesting additional time in therapy. Maybe you wanna give a specific update regarding a therapy that has to directly do um, with the goals of, you know, the educational IEP. Um, So I don't know how many maybe overlook or don't think that they can bring someone in, but when you fill out the form um, that confirms the meeting and it shows your location, it's always on there that indicates if you're bringing someone, you just mark who you would like to bring. So definitely take full advantage of that. Um, and then I would say my third is to just is to do your research. And I mean, and again, I we use these terms, but they mean so many different things because there's so many different contexts in an IEP. Um, whether it has to do with how your child is doing in school and maybe you have questions about their grades or the support, or if they're getting individual pullout, how is that going? You know, ask all those questions, gather your information ahead of time. So if you feel that there needs to be any change or modification to that support, that can be brought up during the meeting as a whole, because all of them should be working together for the best interest of your child. Is it fair to ask for, if it's a new teacher or a new therapist that's mm. working with your child to get their resume, like their backgrounds? Like 
I was always hesitant when um, it was requested of us to switch school districts or whatever. And it was a brand new special education program. I mean, mm-hmm. nothing yeah. against new graduates because a lot of times the younger people have fresh uh-huh. ideas and stuff. So uh-huh. it has nothing to do with that. It's just, they don't, they didn't have any experience with my child. They didn't have much yeah. clinical experience outside of just learning in a classroom about it. No hands-on. Yeah. So I didn't really want Skylar to be the guinea pig. So that, yeah. Really, you know, yes. worried me a lot. Yeah, I can understand that. It seems that you would be able to directly ask that therapist, can you send me your experience, even if it was an internship, your resume? Um, and it seems like that would be a, you know, um, a question that you could just directly ask a therapist that they can send you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard other parents say too that, um, maybe it's before school starts, like one of those meet the teacher things mm. or whatever, that, um, it's a great idea to write to the teacher that'll primarily be taking, you know, yeah. educating your child or whatever, yes. like a, a fun, not like a, a hit list of all the bad things, but like a fun <laughs> profile about your child. Like, you know, he really loves oh. music. And so if, as a reward, if you could turn on, you know, this type of music for five uh, minutes, he'll do yeah. anything you ask or, you know, just whatever. And then what yeah. some of the triggers are like, you know, don't be alarmed, but if you use this color of pencil, it might put him <laughs> over the edge. So could you maybe not use blue pencils or yeah. whatever, you know, I mean, just yeah. the little things they wouldn't know. And yeah. you try to think of everything possible that could make it an easier for them and your child. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a great idea. That reminds me of some of the questions from the regional center because we've switched different case representatives um, for Tristan. And every time we switch to a new one, they'll ask very, you know, personal questions about what he likes, what he enjoys, um, what's his favorite subjects, what does he want to be when he grows up? Um, And then they will print out kind of like a all about me about him, you know, and that shows everything of his interest. So that seems similar. So it's just about getting to know the child. And that makes perfect sense Mm -hmm. that something like that, a template that you know, profiles your child so a therapist can better attend and better provide the support that's very personal and it should be. Mm -hmm. Um, And if they are going to be working with your child on a regular basis, the more they know your child um, is going to help better the support that it can give them. Yeah. And I would love, I always loved getting the all about me's from the teacher themselves, because then I could have a conversation with either of my kids, like, oh my gosh, your teacher loves, you know, this movie. It's one of your favorite movies. So that they walk into the classroom already feeling like they have a bond with their teacher, that they have a lot of things in common. Um, Just, it takes a very unfriendly or like scary, you know, potential environment. And, you know, you can prep your child for their favorite color is red too, or, you know, whatever it is. Right. So, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I do wish, a lot of prep work, but it's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> I wish more right. therapists, I think would reach out and, and I guess collect that type of information mm-hmm. because it just shows that they're, you know, they are trying to make sure that the support that they give your child is customized. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, feel like that's definitely on the majority. Um, but I think it's something that should be practiced more. Yeah, it definitely should. I think, um, 
Well, and you know, I guess we're right around the corner from fall breaks and Christmas breaks and all those things. So the parents who are hesitating to travel and do not want to do it, um, I hear you because a long car trip sounds just absolutely horrific to me. Um, flights used to sound terrible to me, but Skylar's actually done pretty well. But again, it's taken a ton of pre-work on my part to make sure I know exactly what's going to happen every stage of our, you know, from arrival to the airport to arrival to the destination and um, yes. all of that. So um, are your tips and some of the articles that you've written more about like car traveling or like day trips or all of it? Honestly, they could apply to both. Okay. Because like you mentioned, it's all about preparation. Mm-hmm. So all of this happens like days, you know, even weeks before, depending on the type of travel and how much it could rearrange their daily schedule, which we know. And I remember when we traveled when Tristan was very young and I would use a visual schedule with him constantly. So this was just a makeshift, you know, beat up bulletin board that I painted and attached magnets on it and printed out the images that were laminated. And every day, you know, we would have very specific tasks so he knew, but he he depended on that regular schedule. So everything from waking up and then there was a visual image for him to brushing your teeth and so forth. So when we traveled and we took a trip to um, the state of Washington, it was a big road trip. We thought, oh, what a great idea. Now I, I should not say we, it was all me. <laughs> it was, you know, my husband had no part in the idea. He's like, what are you thinking? Um, and so let's see my kids then, I'm going to say, so my oldest, he must've been 10, which would make Tristan, no, he wasn't even three yet. So he was a toddler still in diapers. So he must've been two, which made my youngest around one. <laughs> and on a, mm, let's see how far was this 15 hour road trip. That was a, it was a distance. Um, so I took the same laminated images and I hole punched them and then I attached it onto a big um, metal ring Mm -hmm. and took the schedule with us. So even though we were traveling and even though there was going to be change to the schedule, I would say, okay, tomorrow's going to be a little different. You know, we're waking up early. We're going to be on the road. So around this time we'll have lunch and we're going to be, so he at least had some type of, um, visual organization of what to expect. Um, So that would be one is maybe just kind of just talking depending on how dependent, you know, your child is on scheduling, even if it's kind of an overview, even for adults, sometimes I know that I like to know what's going on, especially (laughs) if I'm in a, you know, different environment. Um, So just having that visual calendar is always nice and then when you're planning in advance if you're going somewhere that you know the child is not familiar with especially during the holidays if it's something new um for me i introduce them to okay this is the area that we're going to um one time we've taken a trip to the grand canyon so we kind of did like a unit lesson on the grand canyon what is it about how do we get there um so introducing them to the surroundings that they'll be in. 
you know, is to me is kind of nice for them to be accustomed to before stepping into it. Mm -hmm. And then I think the last one for me for traveling, um, and this is probably more personal with Tristan because he loves maps, is he likes to know what freeways we're going on to to the very T. So, so we'll say, oh, we're going on, you know, Highway 5, and then it merges onto, you know, the 4 or 5 or what have you. Um, and that's what actually gives him comfort. So he's going somewhere new. He will just map it out and then record in his head. He'll have drawings everywhere um, about all freeways, junctions, bridges, anything that's on the map that gives him to solace. <laughs> that is remarkable. I just, I'm always so intrigued whenever I talk to parents and they're like, yeah, my child loves this. And I'm just, it's just, it's so amazing to me. Just their brains are just beautiful. I mean, they, there are things that they fixate on that are something that I would just grab the map, look at it and, and move about my day. But the yeah. detail in which they appreciate those things that we take for yeah. granted, I feel like sometimes it's it just, is. it's, it's exceptional it to me. It's and so I would be worried if he was in my car because I'm horrible with directions and he'd probably <laughs> say, you took the wrong highway, <laughs> you're not going the right way. This is not the most efficient at all. <laughs> so we had recently took, um, so we live only about an hour, hour 15, uh, depending on traffic, uh, drive to San Francisco. Okay. And so we were looking for this fortune cookie factory, if you want to call it in Chinatown. And so, you know, here I am trying to follow the map on my phone and he's like, no, no, just give me the phone. I, we need to turn right here. I'm like, that's an alley. And lo and behold, turn right in this alley. And he's like, you need to listen to me. I was, <laughs> my hands are up. You are right. I don't know why I would second guess you. <laughs> and, That's um, awesome. <laughs> but yeah, so my husband and I definitely depend on him for mm -hmm. any of our geography needs. Um, but <laughs> we will brace ourselves should we take a detour and <laughs> we make a different turn that we're not supposed to. <laughs> Well, I know he clearly loves maps. Um, what is what does Tristan enjoy doing? You know, what makes him really happy? And so every morning, his favorite channel is the Weather Channel. Um, that is his go-to. That's what always gives him comfort. Um, so instead of a blankie, he'll go to Jim Cantori. Meteorologist, his favorite. Um, so this time of the year, as we all know, is his favorite time of the year, not only because of his birthday, but because it was hurricane, hurricane season. Yeah. <laughs> so his love and his career goal is to become a meteorologist. That's so cool. Specifically in extreme weather. <laughs> so. You know, it's funny because people, uh, you know, say all the time, um, even Temple Grandin told me that when she was on that, like, if you can identify what your child's passion is and then help them towards a job, a career, you know, whatever it is. And it's so hard because with Skylar, it's not like he goes to the TV and is like fixated on the weather or okay. maps mm -hmm. or anything in mm -hmm. particular. And I'm just like, I don't, I really do not understand. I know he likes music, 
Mm -hmm. He doesn't like to play any music. Like I've bought him keyboards over the years and drums mm -hmm. and different things. And he just kind of pushes them to the side. So how did you stumble upon <laughs> Tristan liking the weather? I mean, did he just, was he That's captivated a good by question. on TV? You know, those things, I, you know, he is gravitated to naturally. And um, funny enough, I... I like weather. And so I've always watched the weather channel too, but not to this extent, Yeah, but, but, you know, it's been on and then he would begin stemming he, anytime there was a hurricane. So he loves to watch the patterns as they show on the Doppler radar. Is it and soothing to him? You think? Yeah, there's something about it. <laughs> he soothing and exciting at the same time Yeah, is very stimulating. So from that point on, um, when I introduced him to the Weather Channel, showing him all of the news, especially during hurricane season, it's it's been something that he's been regularly addicted to <laughs> as a That's young so child. Cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, so weather for sure, um, and and then he enjoys you know the video games, of course. Um, but again, this time of the year also brings about football, which is another love of his. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he loves football. So his dad is from Alabama and he is a big Auburn fan, War Eagle. Ooh. <laughs> I thought you were definitely going to say he was a Bama no, fan. No, uh -oh. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's excited for football, loves to play it. Um, he's just, he's, he's a big boy and he's just so aggressive that Tristan just, okay, calm down. It's like, yeah. it's eight in the morning. I just know it's a little early. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. But, um, so yeah, right now is his favorite time of the year. Um, he has a lot of, lot of visual stimulation going on. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, he, he enjoys any physical activity. And then I think the weather kind of just helps bring in this soothness that things kind of just hones in and calms them down. That's so, I mean, it's such a cool, you know, visual, I guess, of him being active. Cause that's what we all want our kids to at least get some of this energy out. And then yeah. like almost instead of a lullaby or a bedtime story, it's like turn the weather channel on and he'll settle and then be yes. able to sleep. <laughs> so yes. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you introduced him to it, I guess, you know, yeah, you I, didn't realize I, you know, were I still don't know career. if I did or not. <laughs> I think he just found it, you know, um, when he was really young, he still, still likes to watch and draw them in power lines. So he's always been fascinated by power lines. Um, and so when it comes to the shapes, you know, with the hurricanes and seeing the patterns and he tells me to to take certain routes um, wherever we're going based on where the cool power lines are. <laughs> so, you know, he's, I feel like he has pointed his direction to me versus yeah. me and him. Um, it's like, this is what I like. And he made it very well known mm -hmm. very early on. Well, that's wonderful. Maybe Skylar <laughs> will spell it to me someday. Like, okay, 
listen, yeah. this is what I like. I'm just going to spell it out for you because you're clearly not catching on. You just put up the buffet of different yeah. things, right? Yeah. I try to expose them to everything, but I mean, it's little things like even just having the news on sometimes, which is so depressing now. I don't even want it on, but yeah, um, it's just on in the background. And when we've done some of our spelling lessons and they've been focused on whatever's happening at the time, whether it's elections or the Derby, since we live here in, in Louisville area. Um, okay. And he, he spelled the horse's names. He like <laughs> clearly knows what's happening. And that's just been the most, you know, amazing part for me that we yeah. didn't know until recently that I, mean, yeah. I knew he was smart. And I knew he was picking these things up, but I didn't really have any way to prove it to myself or to anyone uh -huh. else that he clearly understands what you guys are saying about him. Yes. So don't talk about him. Yes. But, um, yes. but it's yeah. nice to see that. So, yeah, you don't need any clear indicators, you know, right? <laughs> like, mm. Yeah. Yeah. So but just show me, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of like you mentioned a little bit about, you know, for our kiddos, they don't know until they can tangibly see it in front of their face. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading um, one of the books that kind of explained when we say words like common sense or can't you imagine? Mm -hmm. It's like speaking a foreign language. Yeah. And your child is like, don't use those words. I don't understand. Yeah, what you be mean very by literal. Mm -hmm. Yes. And we started our annual camping trips um, six, seven years ago. And I realized and there's no electronics when we go camping and it's full on just tent camping. And having those exposures with my kids about just detaching from electronics, being out with nature, what it means when they smell a campfire, when we say s'mores, it connotates something differently than what they read in a book or what they see on TV. Mm -hmm. And I just want to emphasize that because it's allowed me to expand his reference thinking when it comes to education, when it comes to books, because as we know, and he's in sixth grade now, <clears throat> that the stories, the books that they read, the textbooks that they use in their classes have so many different references. And when our children can be exposed to outside walls, beyond the house, beyond the school, um, so they can relate to these different um, pieces of information that might be abstract, but then if we can pull from something that they've experienced firsthand, it can put things into a relatable, context that they say oh and I and I say this because I've done this I, I feel like I realized that I've had to do this more recently and it just there's a light bulb there's a warmth in my heart there's just this connection when I can say oh what the story is talking about remember when we went camping remember when we took our first hike to that waterfall and we saw a marmot or, you know, oh, okay, is that what it's talking? Okay, I get it now. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, when our children 
can lighten up because you can make a, help them see a connection that they didn't see before. Um, there's something so beautiful about that. And I just enjoy being able to take my kids on these adventures, mm -hmm. wherever it might be. So it just helps them broaden their understanding of different experiences there are beyond our day-to-days. Yeah, I mean, and I even um, appreciated your reference earlier about the Grand Canyon and how you read about it first, and mm -hmm. then he had the opportunity to actually physically be there and experience mm -hmm. it firsthand, but you don't have to take trips if you're not someone who's able to take adventures like that. It can be books or printed off lessons on the computer that are two pages about leaves and about since it's yes. fall time and like oh, yeah. grass and bugs and stuff and go out yes. on a little adventure in your backyard yes. and hunt for those bugs, see if you can find yes. them or birds or whatever. Just so that, yes. like you said, it's so much more impactful. I'm a visual learner myself. So if I can touch something or see it, I mean, back to my geography, my directions are like, <laughs> take a left at the McDonald's, take a right. If you tell me go north, and head south on whatever I'm like I, you, you lost me already so right you know yeah. not all of our kids think that way some of them think in yeah. pictures and visuals yeah. so yeah. yeah I think that's yeah. really cool yeah I echo that comment about you don't have to it doesn't need to be a six hour 15 hour road trip for your children to be exposed to something unique and you know I remember we you know when everything was on lockdown you know, we were all confined. So it just meant being a little creative. So we took local little scavenger hunts right outside our front door. And as you mentioned, we, you know, there's so many ideas on Pinterest and so mm -hmm. forth. So we took a little scavenger hunt and said, okay, we have to find, um, I know a leaf that's green and brown, you know, and no, oh, we need to go and take a picture. So we brought cameras and take a picture, you know, allowing them to see life through different lens mm -hmm. um, is such a simple, yet it can be very powerful. And the beauty that they uncover, because they, a lot of times, you know, our kids beat to their own drum. And so yes. you say, find me, um, you know, <laughs> a leaf that's this and this, what they bring you might be not what you were thinking, but you're like, oh my gosh, that's a I wonderful example of what I did. Yeah. I never yeah. would have thought about that. Yeah. So I love yes. seeing their yes. imagination come to play too, you know? So yes, yes. their pure interpretation is beautiful in itself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, Sometimes it's embarrassing because they say exactly what's on my mind. Right. Especially that literalness. Like, in the wrong place. The wrong yeah. <laughs> you told me that. I'm like, oh, that's, yeah, that's not what I yeah. meant. Okay. <laughs> Well, I, <laughs> I, I appreciate your time so much. And thank you so much for sharing Tristan with all of us and um, all of your advice on the various topics. Um, I will link up your social media um, to the show notes, but I would imagine most people can find a lot of your articles in Autism Parenting Magazine. And what was the other publication that you regularly write for? Yes, for Exceptional Needs Today. Exceptional Needs Today. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, JC. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, have a great rest of your day. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. 
If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Skylife with others. Thanks again for listening.